This episode is brought to you by 5-Minute Stories, the flash fiction horror podcast, delivering you dark fiction short stories twice a week in just about 5 minutes. Join author and narrator Jennifer Brozick for real-life inspired stories twisted into something dark and supernatural. Each story is just around 5 minutes, some a little longer, some a little shorter, a little bit of story to last you all day. 5-Minute Stories with Jennifer Brozick the perfect dose of horror for any podcast listener. Presented by Apocalypse Inc. Productions. Some new stories, some old favorites, all in just about five minutes. Five Minute Stories. Subscribe on iTunes today and never miss an episode. For more fiction and a list of episodes, visit apocalypse-inc.com. That's apocalypse-inc.com. Five Minute Stories. A little bit of story to last you all day. This episode is brought to you by Paternus by Dirk Ashton. The gods and monsters of old really did exist, and some still do. Now all across the globe, they're coming out of hiding and hunting their own. Fiona Peterson and Zeke Prisco are suddenly swept into these cataclysmic events when a group of strange men arrive searching for a catatonic old man named Peter. In their attempt to save him, Fee and Zeke embark on an adventure of myth and magic beyond imagination, space, and time. The final battle of the most ancient war has begun. Paternus by Dirk Ashton. Thrilling, cinematic, funny, and frightening in turns. Past guest Anthony Ryan gives Paternus five stars, calling it an imaginative, exhilarating ride with a refreshing take on contemporary fantasy, highly recommended. Listen on Audible or read for free on Kindle Unlimited. Find out more and get your copy on paperback or ebook at paternusbooks.com. Paternusbooks.com. That's P A T E R N U S books.com. Paternus. Even myths have legends, and not all legends are myth. This is author Raymond V. Feist. Hi, this is R. Scott Baker. This is Anthony Ryan. The Grim Tidings Podcast welcomes Delilah S. Dawson to the show. Delilah, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is literary agent Mark Gottlieb from Trident Media Group. This is David Anthony Durham. Hi, this is Melanie Metters. Hi, this is Brian Stavely. Hello, this is Jesse Bullington slash Alex Marshall. Hi, this is Jeff Salyards. Hi, this is Michael R. Fletcher. The Grim Tidings Podcast proudly welcomes Steven Erickson to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward it's Rob Matheny with the Grim Tidings Podcast. Fall has arrived, ushering in my absolute favorite month of the year, October. A month of pumpkin spice lattes, spooky decorations, the leaves changing color, each day getting a little colder than the day before, all leading up to the highlight of the month, Halloween. Here on the podcast, we typically say we major in grimdark and we minor in everything else. Dark poetry isn't really a subject we've covered here on the show, but I think if you stick around for today's episode, you'll get swept away by the dark and well-composed literary offerings of our guests and realize that, yes, poetry can be cool and grim and dark and awesome. We're going to highlight a group of writers today who specialize in dark poetry. They call themselves The Crimson Circle composed of Adam Bolivar, D.L. Myers, Ashley Diosis, and K.A. Opperman. I recently attended the H.P. Lovecraft Film Fest in Portland, where publisher Hippocampus Press was celebrating the release of their newest poetry collections, Diary of a Sorceress by Ashley Diosis and The Lay of Old Hex by Adam Bolivar. The book release Happy Hour took place Saturday, October 7th at the top of Sam's Billiards, 
where publisher Derek Hussey officiated proceedings, followed by readings from each poet of the Crimson Circle and a toast of absinthe to close the night's activities. I had a chance to attend the Hippocampus Happy Hour. Afterward, I had a chance to interview each member of the Crimson Circle. I've included a short reading from each poet, and you'll find a complete list of links in the show notes as well. Right after the happy hour concluded, I had a chance to interview Obadiah Baird and Dan Sauer. Based out of Salem, Owen and Dan operate a small zine called The Audient Void, featuring the poetry and weird fiction of the Crimson Circle, amongst others. I sat down with the publishing duo to talk a bit about their magazine and the evolving dark poetry scene that finds its home at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and CthulhuCon. We're at the 22nd Annual 2017 H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival at the Hollywood Theater in Portland, Oregon, October 6th through 8th. Today is the 7th, October 7th, and we are uh, hanging out with Obadiah Baird and Dan Sauer. They are with The Audient Void, and now is that an e-zine? What is the official title? It's, uh, it's a dark journal, or what do you call Audient Void? Either a very well-produced fanzine or a slightly amateurish magazine is how I would describe it. Does that seem fair? I guess so. I mean, I like to think it harkens back to the fanzines of the 70s and 80s, like Crypt of Cthulhu and things like that. Uh, but I've taken, you know, the 23 years of experience I have in graphic design and done the best I can with the limited budget we have. And we tried to make it look slick, but old school at the same time. Yeah, so when I open up uh, Audient Void, I have issues uh, number three and four um, sitting in front of me. Right when you open the first page, it's a smack in the face of some beautiful gothic art. So it's not even words when you open up the cover. It's, a, it's, it's some lovely art. How important is, is art um, to this endeavor? Uh, Obadiah, what do you think about that? I think that the art's been hugely important. All of our covers have been done by Alan Kay, who's been doing uh, black and white art, uh, especially for fanzines going back to the 1970s, I think having his art on the cover has been huge to our ability to sell it you know on newsstands and also just uh you know have it really pop when people see it on facebook brad hicks has done the interior art for our stories for the last few issues and um having somebody who's really passionate about the stories and designs a great piece of art to go with them i think um is is very important i think it's a big part of what makes the magazine visually appealing you know, when people see a magazine, they judge it not based on the written content, but based on what they see. And so, yeah, I think that, I think that that's been huge for us. And I think having Dan Sauer's graphic design, which makes it look very well put together and professional, makes a huge difference as well. So let's talk about your individual roles when it comes to producing uh, The Audient Void, a journal of weird fiction and dark fantasy. So, uh, Obadiah, what's your uh, uh, responsibilities when it comes to producing the, the magazine? I put together the call for submissions read the submitted poetry and fiction i end up running you know the the sort of final candidates by dan dan and getting his input but um most of the vetting is just me reading a lot of fiction and poetry i also make sure that the authors and poets get paid that they get their subscriber copy kind of important yeah all that all that kind of nuts and bolts stuff um i try very hard to stay on top of and what else do I do? I'm, I feel like there's more. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, you pay for the printing. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I pay for the printing. I get the file to the printer. Sort of the, the, the curating the content and, and reading through the slush pile is a big part of what I do. That's probably the majority of it. Where are you based out of? Uh, Salem, Oregon. Yeah. How long have you been in operation? 
Um, we have been going a little over a year. I think it's about a year and three months at this point. So about one issue per quarter at this point? Uh, Ish. A little over three issues a year is about where we're at. We don't really set a hard deadline because we both have day jobs. So we really, the issue comes out when it's ready um, is basically how, how we do it. So. Okay, so you handle the word end of, uh, and the business end, so to speak, of the, of the magazine. But Dan, you handle the, the pretty stuff and the graphic design. Talk a little bit about your role in, in making the magazine, please. Well, I mean, the, the first thing was to actually set up a template that would be easy to work with each time, where I wouldn't feel like I was fighting with a younger version of myself who had done a, a crappy job of setting up the template. Um, fortunately, I have enough experience that I kind of knew what I was doing, um, even though I hadn't done a lot of work in... I've done a lot of magazine work, but it was mostly commercial stuff that did, didn't involve any real creativity as far as um, the content. But basically, Obadiah, once he decides which stories and poems he wants, and uh, I don't veto any of them, I set about trying to find art that will work for it. I mean... Um, because of the budget, sometimes uh, I use uh, some public domain stuff like the Goya piece that's the, the front piece uh, here that actually connects well with a couple of the pieces of fiction. That's for issue number four? It is. And uh, there's an Ed Morris story in there that basically involves uh, Goya. And uh, so I thought it would be fitting to, to use something that Goya had actually done. Usually Brad Hicks is the one who provides the illustrations, uh, the, the custom hand illustrations for uh, the fiction. But I decided I really didn't want the poetry to be left out. And I just kind of took it upon myself to make each issue more special for the poetry. So this time around, I really spent a lot of time trying to come up with uh, more creative, original illustrations. Um, and so, you know, the, the poets seem to like what I did, so hopefully the readers will too. Uh, what inspired you, Obadiah, to uh, get Audient Void uh, off the ground and start this uh, literary magazine? I really take it back a little bit further even than my really getting interested in uh, horror or, um, or poetry or all that. Uh, in my younger years I was really into punk rock and playing in bands and zines within the punk community were a big part of the culture um, you know handmade photocopied you know people talking about their lives or sharing music so in my teenage years I kind of come out of that scene and when I got really into science fiction and, and fantasy and realized that fanzines actually go back way further than that, that you know some of the first fanzines were made in the 30s by people who were science fiction fans. And there are still people making fanzines within the science fiction and fantasy and horror communities. A lot of them have moved online at this point, but there are still people printing them also. It made me realize that that kind of like DIY, do-it-yourself ethos can be applied to the fiction and, and poetry and all that as well. And I was going to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, where we are right now, um, and I had gone a few years and was hanging out with a lot of great writers and poets and, you know, seeing panels and seeing people talk about, you know, what they're creating and what they're doing and... You know, I've just always been one to jump in and try my hand at things. So in the same way that I started bands when I was younger, I just decided that I would try publishing a magazine and see what happened. 
and people have been tremendously supportive. Like It's really blown me away, and it's been a ton of fun. The nice thing about publishing poetry is that there are a lot more places publishing poetry right now, but it's still a very small, tight-knit group. If you are interested in their work and if you publish it and you're interested in learning about their influences and what they're into, it's a very, very welcoming group of people. I think the fact that we pay for poetry also <laughs> helps. <laughs> um, anytime anybody's willing to give poets money, they love it, um, as they should. You know, they've just they've been tremendously supportive from the very beginning. Uh, you know, to have Kyle and Ashley and um, and Adam Boulevard, they've been in every issue we've published, you know, four issues now, and to be able to work with and publish some of the best weird poets in the field from the very first issue and have them be interested and excited in what we're doing uh, is huge. It, that kind of support is really what it takes to keep going and keep working on building something. And I hope that by publishing them, we're also giving that support back and, you know, helping them to stay excited about writing poetry and creating poetry as well. You know. Dan, what did you think about when uh, Obadiah wanted you to, to bring you on board to become a part of this endeavor? Is it something that you were excited about doing? Well, here's a funny story that Obadiah may not even know. I don't remember if I ever mentioned this to him. Uh, I got to know him because I'm a book collector myself. And so, of course, I knew him from his job at the book bin. And uh, one day we actually met and kind of hit it off because of our mutual interest. And I believe it was Olaf Stapledon, of all people, of all authors. And, uh, you know, once we we started becoming more friendly, it just occurred to me, why couldn't we do some kind of publication? But I never brought it up. He actually had the idea to do it and brought it to me. So it was almost like some kind of kismet. And so um, when he brought it up, I was actually thrilled. And I didn't know what kind of magazine it would be. I mean, I knew that we would both try to make it a good one, but um, it's actually, I think, succeeded far beyond what we initially expected. Yeah, that's definitely true. You know, I started the magazine assuming that I would print 50 copies and have 45 copies left in like three months. Um, in fact, each of the first two issues were sold out before the next issue came out. And we still have some copies of the third issue, but not very many. So it's been amazing, actually, how much support and how many people are actually purchasing the magazine. I have to admit, I did not expect that at all. So. <laughs> Great. Well, it's glad to see the continued growth, and I hope that it continues to do well. So let's talk about where people can get a copy of The Audient Void. Where's the best place they can go to uh, pick up uh, past issues or the new issue that comes out? So we have a Facebook page, uh, The Audient Void. We'll put that in the show notes for listeners if they want to check that out. And we also have a web store at Big Cartel. And there are also copies available for purchase through eBay. And there are also copies available for purchase off the newsstand at the Book Bin in Salem, Oregon. Book Bin, Salem, Oregon. Book your airline tickets now. Head in, pick up your copy of The Audient Void, available now. And are you taking submissions for new poetry, or is it? how's that work for getting new stuff featured? So we open submissions usually right after the previous issue comes out. I'm waiting just a little bit because I wanted to enjoy the HP Lovecraft Film Festival without a bunch of work. <laughs> Like stressing me out and pouring into my uh, into my email, but I'll be opening submissions probably on Monday, and we 
announce the opening of submissions and our submission guidelines on our Facebook page. Um, we also have now started sharing on a numbers of writers groups specifically for genre fiction on Facebook. And the thing that we found with the last issue is that those then end up getting shared on various websites. We are now getting a fair number of submissions, probably more than I'm going to be able to read myself. So we have somebody helping us read submissions now, which is great. It means that the quality of what we end up publishing is going to be higher. So, yeah. So when is that submissions window going to close, do you think? Estimate. Uh, we keep it open for a month each time. Okay. So. so end of October-ish? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably very early November, but yeah. Since we mentioned that the that the Audient Void is available for purchase at the Bookman, um, we have actually had a ton of local support, and a majority of the issues that we sell are actually off the newsstand locally at the bookstore in Salem, Oregon. And I'm just very happy to see the level of support for weird fiction and poetry in the community that I live in. I think it's amazing. Do you kind of see more and more people kind of getting behind it? Yeah, a little bit. We, we've averaged about 45 to 50 copies sold in the bookstore um, each, each issue. So, yeah, it's been great. And you guys actually have a table set up here at the um, 22nd annual H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and Cthulhu Con here in Portland, Oregon. Um, how important is a con like this to a small zine like you guys? It's huge. I, I do want to clarify, our magazine is actually available for purchase at the Hippocampus Press table. And uh, Derek Hussey from Hippocampus Press has been hugely supportive of us going back all the way to the beginning. And to have a publisher of his stature support a startup magazine has been amazing. Um, but, yeah, doing the convention is, I mean, it's a chance for us to meet and talk with authors and poets and readers face-to-face -face and, you know, talk about the magazine, but also just talk about the genre and talk about weird fiction and poetry. And, you know, I don't necessarily spend that much time trying to promote the magazine because I don't think you really have to, just naturally hanging out and having fun and chatting with people. Like, people want to talk about what you're doing. So it's very, it's very natural and very enjoyable for me. Yeah. What's the best way that uh, readers can best support the audience void outside of just heading over to your Facebook page and finding the link to buy a copy? How else can they be supportive of a small magazine like yourself? Well, I mean, obviously, number one is buy a copy of the magazine. but Or ten. Or ten, or however many you want. Um, but also, if you know people who are into the genre, you know, who might be excited, like, definitely send them our way. Like, the more the merrier. And what would you like to see, ultimately, the magazine, The Audient Void, achieve when it goes out into the world? When somebody picks it up and they read through the pages, ideally at the end of the reading experience, what do you hope they take away from reading The Audient Void? Well, I, I kind of fell in love with reading uh, short story anthologies. Uh, in my late teens, I picked up a copy of a, a collection of uh, horror short stories um, that had appeared in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. And they were, had all been edited by Edward Furman years ago. And I just, I loved every single story in it in a different way. And it just made me want to go out and find more things like that. And so even though I love novels, uh, I have a particular fondness for collections of, of things by different authors. And I, I hope that readers who pick up our magazine have a similar uh, feeling of elation from, uh, you know, finding a magazine that is put together in a thoughtful way, perhaps artistically, um, with content that is interesting and 
somehow that meshes with where each author's work somehow meshes with that of the others. That's pretty much what we're shooting for. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're always trying to push the boundaries of what we're doing and make it more artistic, more challenging, more interesting, you know, while still staying true to the to the genre that we represent and uh so yeah, I think I think if somebody were to read the magazine and go, "Oh wow, fiction can do that." I never thought about that before. Like I, I think that would be hugely satisfying for me. And I think also just putting weird poetry in front of more people. I think it's even within the small corner of the world that weird fiction inhabits weird poetry is even a smaller niche so just getting more people reading it i think is great excellent well listeners can go over to the show notes they can uh pick up a copy of uh the audience void up to issue number four uh issue number five should be out in just a few months and then that submission window open as well to submit your poetry dan sauer and obadiah baird thank you very much for joining us on the grim tidings podcast and best of luck to you for the rest of the con cheers thank you Thank you, Rob. Up next, I sat down with Ashley Diosis and K.A. Opperman, the Southern California-based dark poetry couple and one half of the Crimson Circle. I'll begin with a short reading from both K.A. and Ashley and jump right into the interview. Okay, this is Ashley Diosis. This poem I'm about to read was first published in Spectral Realms Number no. 5 by Hippocampus Press. It is in my debut collection, Diary of a Sorceress. It is called Ever Fair. Your hair of onyx, ever fair, has gained the scent of sweetest pear. Your skin of pallid roses slips to ghoulish green and ice blue hips. Your lips of softest petals kiss, my lips no more, no more yet hiss, and whispers like the wind when I submerge your body in the lie. Hi, I'm Kay Opperman. And I'm going to read you my poem, The Fetch. It's a Halloween poem. As we're in the haunted season of October, it seems appropriate. So here it goes. This one's unpublished, by the way. Halloween is drawing nearer. Pumpkin lamps at twilight glow. And the attic's antique mirror, dim with dust, begins to show. Her angelic face the clearer, as the autumn nights grow drearer. And her face to me is dearer dearer than I even know. Halloween is soon returning, witches haunt the night unseen, and my heart and soul are yearning for the glamoured eyes of green. Of the lass I am discerning in the mirror, clearer turning, love or devil I'll be learning on the night of Halloween. Rob Matheny here with the Grim Tidings Podcast on site at the 22nd Annual H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and CthulhuCon right here in my beautiful hometown of Portland, Oregon. Excited to have our next guests on the show. I have not one but two poets uh, with me today. Now, poetry isn't a topic that we usually cover here on the show, but as we continue to expand, we'll feature writers of all kinds of dark fiction, and I've read the works of both of my guests, and their poetry is dark, spooky, extremely well-written, and fun as hell to read, especially during the Halloween season. My first guest started writing at the age of 12 after discovering the dark works of Edgar Allan Poe and soon after took a borderline obsessive interest in writing horror, dark fantasy, 
poetry, and even a few fantasy novels. After college, she discovered the weird and wonderful works of authors like H.P. Lovecraft, Clark Ashton Smith, Donald Sidney Fryer, and others, further broadening her writing skill. Her poetry has been featured in Spectral Realms, Weird Books, Skelos, The Audient Void, Weird Fiction Review, Infernal Inc., and many other collections and anthologies. Her first collection, Diary of a Sorceress, features nearly 100 new and previously published poems and is set to drop this October from the fine folks at Hippocampus Press. The Grim Tidings podcast welcomes Ashley Diosis to the show. Ashley, thanks for hanging out. Thank you for having me. How was that intro? Was it factual? Yes, it was. Yes. All right. And then my next guest uh, joining me, the California-based writer and poet of the gothic and grotesque, a self-proclaimed Halloween-obsessed weirdo, reader of books, and drinker of beers. Also finding inspiration from weird fiction greats like Clark Ashton Smith and George Sterling. His poetry has been featured in Spectral Realms, Skelos, The Audient Void, Ravenwood Quarterly, HWA Poetry Showcase, Weird Book, Feverish Fiction Magazine, and many more. His collection, The Crimson Tome, features dark and weird poetry and is available right now from Hippocampus Press. The Grim Tidings podcast welcomes K.A. Opperman to the show. K.A., thank you for hanging out as well. Well, thanks for having me. All hail the Pumpkin King. That's right. I am the Pumpkin King. We are Spice Brothers, and, the, and it's true. Right. Uh, we're definitely Spice Brothers, Rob. We, I think we were born Spice Brothers, and people are just starting to find out now. Our secret is out. We are reunited here in Portland for the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and CthulhuCon. We actually just had the book release party for you, Ashley Diosis, and uh, another uh, poet with you as well. Adam Boulevard was here with you. But uh, we're here to talk about Diary of a Sorceress is your first collection of poems, nearly 100 poems. That's a lot of poetry, um, but it's super cool. So uh, if we could just start off talking a little bit about how Diary of a Sorceress came together. Sure. Um, well, Diary of Sources came from the idea, me and Kyle had a collaboration poem that we decided to write, and it was called A Sorceressly Twines, and it was about a sorceress and a sorcerer, and we just made this epic long poem, it's, ne- it's never been published, and we decided that eventually it should be edited and maybe get that published one day, but the sorceress derived from that poem, and it's actually a story about her and the sorcerer, so... Diary Sources is basically her diary, and every entry or poem that's in it, it will be goes back to her, all about her. Tell us a little bit, uh, Ashley, about how you got hooked up with uh, Hippocampus Press to get this collection uh, put out there. Hippocampus Press, I actually never heard of until I became serious in publishing poetry. And actually, K.A. was the one who had this poetry manuscript that he did and that was a press that he was going to submit it to and he told me all about it what kind of books they released and they were huge with poetry dark poetry so I looked them up and I decided that I liked them and that when I would assemble a collection it would be really cool if I could send it to them because they seemed to fit with what I was writing with now are you actually a sorceress (laughs) no no you're not it's not one of those, if you told me, you'd have to kill me things, right? <laughs> no, sorceress isn't the term I'd use. Oh, okay. <laughs> Intriguing. <laughs> uh, yes, that's a little bit um, secretive. We'll keep it that way. Okay. And uh, I didn't mention in your intro, but you actually are a martial artist as well. Tell me a little bit about your, your martial arts background, if you can. I started martial arts at Red Dragon Karate at 12, mostly because I had a huge attitude problem and my parents wanted me to have discipline rather than fighting skills, but I wanted to learn martial arts 
almost all my life. And so it was a win-win. I don't know about the attitude discipline part, but eventually I guess it worked. I did Red Dragon for five years and reached my third degree brown belt. And then after I left high school, I started Subak Do, which is a crane karate, and received my black belt through them. That's way cool. So it's about nine years I did martial arts. Can you like chop boards or anything cool like that? Yes, actually at Subak Do, um, you had to chop boards with specific techniques and order the pass. And every rank you would have to do a different move. They would upgrade how many boards you had to do. And in fact, if you train for second degree black belt, you actually have to break a cinder block, which I never got that far. I only got the first degree. Okay, how many boards can you chop? Um, you know, probably at least uh, seven. Damn. Uh, well, I've been, you know, I chop them just by looking at them, basically. Does writing poetry help you chop boards? Uh, definitely. I mean, I'm always sharpening words, and uh, my powers sharpen with that. So, And the pumpkin spice helps, too. Absolutely. Pumpkin spice makes the world go round. Now, Ashley, uh, in Diary of a Sorceress, do you have a particular poem that's a, that's a standout kind of favorite, one that stands out as maybe one that resonates with you as maybe the crowning achievement of the collection? Actually, yes. I have written a poem that's... I consider my epic and my crown jewel of the entire collection. It's called Atop the Crystal Moon, and it's 215 lines. And it was inspired after I read The Dreamlands of Unknown Kadath by H.P. Lovecraft and reading George Sterling's A Wine of Wizardry. And actually it has a king in yellow, a little bit themed in that as well. And I've just combined everything that I loved of different stories that I read and I put it all into one poem and that is I think my crowning achievement and the cover art for Diary of a Sorceress is also amazing it's this sorceress lady holding her hand over a skull with an open tome of spells with a crow and it's in a castle and it's, it's awesome what did you think of the cover art when you saw it Oh, I absolutely loved it. Um, Steve Santiago is my artist, and he did an amazing job, especially with my cover. I absolutely loved it. And let's talk a little bit about uh, poets that have inspired you. You know, I read in, uh, in the end intro that uh, Edgar Allan Poe is of particular significance to you. Is that right? Yes. Actually, uh, my, my father was a poet, but he mostly did children's poetry. And growing up, I would hear his poems, and he would always rhyme, so that's what I wanted to do. But he was also an avid horror and fantasy fan, and I loved horror growing up. And I didn't realize that there were poems that were not only rhyming, but also horror poems. I didn't realize that poetry could be so awesome until I read Edgar Allan Poe, and I was inspired by him to write dark poetry because I'd never heard a dark poem before. My dad always read fun kid kid type of stuff. That's all I heard growing up. I didn't realize you can mesh the two, and I was excited that there was someone, someone who did that, and that's what inspired me. You mentioned you didn't know poetry could be so cool, and I think that's what hooked me. Um, I wasn't really into poetry that much before I came across you two uh, and, and the works of the uh, related uh, uh, poets like Adam Bolivar and D.L. Myers. You guys are making some really cool dark fiction. We usually cover you know, prose fiction on here, and poetry really hasn't been anything that we've dived into before, and I think any listener listening to the podcast today would be well to do to check out both of your works. Um, Kyle, let's talk a little bit about your poetry as well. Um, you have a uh, collection called The Crimson Tome, and it features um, close to, what, 120 poems? Just about. 
Yeah, it's um, a very dark collection of poems of the gothic and the grotesque, blood-filled, horror-filled, gargoyles everywhere. Pretty much the most evil book ever written. That's really evil. Yeah, well, you know me. I'm the Pumpkin King, so... And it's also published through Hippocampus Press, and they've been putting out a number of titles. And on this actual episode, we're going to talk to a number of Hippocampus Press published poets, um, Adam Bolivar and Dale Myers, along with you, Ashley, and uh, UK. Uh, what does it mean to you uh, to have a, a publisher like uh, Hippocampus taking on poets like yourselves to continue to put out works and collections like the Crimson Tome? Well, I've been a huge fan of Hippocampus Press since long before they published my book. It was sort of like my favorite press. I was collecting like a lot of the, especially their poetry books, buying them all, reading the, each of them multiple times through. Uh, in in many ways, I learned my craft through reading this press's books. So, the fact that they continue to publish and support Ashley and I and uh, other great poets like Adam Bolivar and Dave Myers, Dave D.L. Myers, it, it means a lot to me. And I'm just really glad to see that our art, our obscure art that isn't it's getting more love now, but it hasn't always been so loved before. It's finally got like a solid, respectable home. Um, let's talk a little bit about the um, poets that influenced you. Now, I think Clark Ashton Smith was a significance to both you, Ashley, and uh, to UKA. Could you talk a little bit about uh, Smith's uh, influence on your directions as a poet? So Clark Ashton Smith is my primary influence, or at least he was um, during my writing of The Crimson Tome. Before I discovered his work, I was, to be honest, I didn't have all that much interest in poetry, if any at all. Uh, I discovered uh, Smith's fiction through Lovecraft, the veiled references to Clark Ashton and Sathagwa. So I started reading Smith's uh, prose, and I realized that there was a power to his words and how they were used. There was a poetry to them. So I started reading his poetry, and I really liked it, so... And uh, when we first started talking, uh, when we connected on Facebook, we talked a little bit about the construction of poetry and metered verse versus free form. Now, you're a little bit more of what, like, would you say a traditionalist when it comes to the poetry that you're writing? Um, to be perfectly honest, I'm strongly ensconced in the formal poetry tradition. For me, that is my best method of expression, and it's just... I have I tried writing free verse in my formative years, and for me personally, it just wasn't a good outlet. I needed that structure. I was bewitched by the syllable use and the rhythms, and to me, without that, I couldn't express myself the same. And not to say that free verse doesn't have its value, but to me personally, it doesn't speak to me as well. Ashley, what about you? When it comes to the the verse that you utilize for your poetry? Are you kind of all over the place utilizing different uh, verses and, and meters and such, or do you have kind of one go-to when it comes to what you're writing? Um, I'm really a big fan of traditional formal poetry as well. As long as it's structured and has syllable count and rhyming forms, I will write it. So from ballads to sonnets to couplets, anything that has a structured form, I am all down to write. What are you currently, uh, for both of you, uh, Ashley and you, K.A., what are you working on uh, right now that both of your collections are, are out? K.A., yours has been out for a while, and then Ashley, yours just coming out. Uh, what are you currently working on now? I'm actually working on another diary. I hope to call it Diary of a Vampirist. And that collection, I am aiming to be more gothic, more dark. Um, Diary of Sorceress has a lot of fantasy and dark fantasy as opposed to just horror and gothic. 
but with Diary of Vampiris, I hope to be more gothic, um, try to tone down the fantasy aspect a little bit, and just focus on horror and gothic horror. And K.A., uh, what do you have uh, coming up next? Um, I do have a second collection written. It's titled The Laughter of Ghouls. I have a publisher lined up. But beyond that, I can't really talk about it. I'm not at liberty to say who the publisher is. It is going to be a substantial collection of very extremely gothic poetry, even more concentrated than the Crimson Tome. It will contain a little over 70 poems. Beyond that, I'm compiling a book of all Halloween verses. So gothic AF, would you say? Uh, basically, yeah. Excellent. So great stuff coming out, Diary of a Vampiress, and then a new collection coming out from you. So plenty more dark poetry on the way. We talked to the uh, Audient Void guys as well. Uh, your poetry has been featured, I think, in every issue of the Audient Void so far. So it's, uh, what do you think about ha having small zines like uh, the Audient Void supporting your poetry as well? I think that's amazing. It's more concentrated when it's just a small zine. You have maybe one or two people working hard on this zine that they're doing it out of love and they're really focused on the contributors who send stuff and it just feels more intimate with a small zine. And I've had great fun writing for the zine. I love getting it. I look forward to it all the time. The guys behind it are great, Obadiah, Obadiah Barrett and Dan Sauer are amazing people to work with, and I have fun writing for them often. I'm just really happy that there's starting to become more outlets for the, the sort of stuff that Ashley and I write. I mean, there hasn't always been that many magazines since uh, the golden days of weird tales and such, when it was normal to publish poetry like this, but it sort of dropped off for several decades, and I feel like we're just now returning to that, and there, there's not like a ton of markets yet, but there's definitely a little group of like really solid markets and it gives uh, an outlet for us to express ourselves get our work out there build our audience and overall increase the awareness of what we're doing and so you guys uh, actually are frequent attenders to the uh, hp lovecraft film festival and CthulhuCon. i think you were you were here last year and you're here uh this year what uh, does it mean to you to attend a con like this to uh, uh show your wares to to possible new readers when i actually discovered hp lovecraft and Clark Ashton Smith through Kyle. And Kyle had told me about this awesome, weird genre that I've never heard of before. And so when I read Lovecraft and Clark Ashton Smith and other weird works, I told them that I, it felt like I was coming home. Like that was somewhere that I had missed this whole time and I felt amazing. And to learn that there was an actual con that revolved around Lovecraft and this weird work, it just blew my mind. I had never been to cons before, and the fact that there was one that resonated so much with me, at least sounded like it did, was amazing, and I had to, had to check it out. Is there any other Cthulhu con or weird fiction con bigger or more grand besides the one that we're attending here for in Portland? Um, definitely not. Not that I've been to. This is bigger. The only other one I knew of was San Pedro, but this is, I think, bigger and the one in San Pedro no longer happens anymore, so this is kind of the one we're trying to aspire to go through every year, every year because of how big and just amazing it is. Must be surreal now that you're now that your book release is a part of the events going on. Yes, definitely. I never thought I would even have a book release, at least this for an event this big. It, it blew my mind. It was insane. And they served a free absinthe 
to everybody who attended the book release, and I got a little drunk during it, so that was fun. I never had absinthe before either, so it was a pleasant evening. I think you read your absinthe poem like right shortly after that too, so it was a very cool event. Uh, we, I think everybody had, had a blast there. Um, as far as coming to cons like this, uh, K.A., what do you think about um, the HP uh, Lovecraft Film Fest and Cthulhu Con as being a place to reach out to new possible new readers? Well, I feel like, to be honest, I wait the whole year just to come to this thing. It's <laughs> These are the few days when I really get to be the writer and mingle with the other writers and try to sell my wares through nefarious methods. It's um, it's really the, the highlight of what I do. I mean, I, writing is a very lonely activity. We spend all this time alone writing our books, and then there's those magical few days of the year where we all get to come together and show what we've done and share it with people. So it's really great. It's kind of like weird Christmas almost. Uh, yeah, I would definitely say it's a lot like Christmas. And you're kind of like Santa Claus, actually, Rob. I mean, That's true. Um, you've given me the greatest gift, letting me be on your podcast. And also true. <laughs> I, everything I say is the truth. Poets are very truthful people. Um, and actually, during the uh, release party that we had here for um, Ashley's release, you um, did some readings as well, and you had some lovely um, art-inspired um, pieces uh, that was both poetry and art and big display. And um, you had, like I think, four or five of them. They looked lovely with uh, some great artwork and poetry laid over it. Actually, I had one that was inspired by me. Uh, well, yes, I've been collaborating with the English artist Mutardis Boswell. We had worked together on the magazine Ravenwood Quarterly, which I'm also very fond of. My poem, Priestess of the Goat, is to appear on the back cover. And we were sort of put together. Um, he was to do the art. I did the poem. So, And then after that, we realized we liked working together. So just on our own, we started collaborating on these artworks where I would handwrite my poems, do the calligraphy, send him an image. He does original artwork and edits it in. And we're selling those right now. Uh, you just have to contact uh, Mutardis Boswell, look him up. I guess I think he has a website. And you contact him and you can order through him. And yes, I know you're fond of unicorns, Rob. Aren't we all? Yes. So I've got this artwork called The Crimson Unicorn. Um, it's crimson because it kills people and it's covered in their blood. So doesn't get cooler than that, technically. Um, yeah, the poem is basically an homage to everything you stand for. You're a good man. Thank you. I try. Um, and Ashley, where can folks find you uh, online? You have a website? Yes, it's fiendlover.blogspot.com and also on amazon.com you can find me. And do you do Facebook and Twitter as well, social media stuff? Yes, I have for Facebook, I have um, my author page, which is just AshleyDiosis14. And also, I do have a book page for Diary of a Sorceress. And you can find me on Twitter, but I don't use it too much. And everything from my author page and book page automatically heads on the Twitter. And that's just adiosis14. Kay Opperman, let's talk about uh, finding you online. Are you on, uh, do you have a website or Facebook or Twitter? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure you want to find me. I'm kind of a, a strange character. <laughs> but other than True. That, that's true. Other than that, I do have an uh, Amazon page. I'm on Facebook. Uh, follow me at your own peril. I make lots of weird comments and post weird memes and stuff. I'm almost as bad as Rob, but not quite. I don't think anyone's quite as bad as me. I kind of set the bar. Uh, probably not. I mean, I try to, to meet it, but shit, I just can't. <laughs> and let's close talking about the, the Crimson Circle the poetry cult that you two are members of. Um, it's an it's a elite 
um, union of four poets, uh, you, Ashley, UKA, Adam Bolivar, and D.L. Myers. Would you be, could you, without having to cast a spell on me or what have you, tell me a little bit about the Crimson Circle and maybe how it came together? Well, um, the Crimson Circle is a demonic cult. Okay, hold on. Let me start over. I'm not supposed to tell you that part. So the Crimson Circle is a group of uh, four poets. We all came together basically because we're in the same publications. We liked each other's work. And so when we finally met at the CthulhuCon in San Pedro a couple years ago, we kind of sealed the circle. And ever since then, we've been calling ourselves the Crimson Circle. We all write in a similar style. We all write for the same magazines. We're all good friends in real life. We're all just, we all just banded together to try and support each other and further the art of weird poetry. Ashley Diosis, um, good luck with a with Diary of a Sorceress, available this October through Hippocampus Press. Also, K.A. Opperman, you have the Crimson Tome available through Hippocampus Press as well, so they're doing some great stuff. Best of luck to you both with your dark poetry, and I'm very excited to get you on the podcast and get my listeners excited about the dark poetry that you have to offer, and hopefully this Halloween they will pick up a copy of both of your collections, read it, enjoy it, and, uh, and share the wealth. In your opinion, what's the best way a reader can support you outside of, of just buying your collection? What's a way that they can uh, show their support towards a poet that they care about? Um, they can always do reviews, of course, on Amazon or Goodreads. But we actually have a fan who loves our work so much that he takes our work and reads it at public events, at poetry readings. And to me, that's a great way to also share poems, and not only ones that you personally love, but um, he goes around and he at poetry events, he'll read his favorite poets. And I think that's amazing. That's a great idea instead of just, if you're a poet, instead of just reading yourself, your own poet poems you'd be reading others to show that there is much in poetry around and that's a good way to spread spread poetry tell your friends basically if you if you know a poetry lover in your life or someone who's into really dark horror type stuff i mean you could give it as a gift you could just point them in our direction uh part of the cool thing about our weird fiction and poetry community is we help each other discover things that we would like. Like, oh, there's this cool book. I think you would like it, and so forth. So, there's this cool podcast. I think you would like it. There's this uh, really great podcast, you know, run by Rob Matheny. You got you to gotta listen. <laughs> podcast God. Uh, yeah, basically. Podcast sorcerer. Uh, podcast ruler of the infinite multiverse. I like it. Well, thank you, both of you, for joining us on the podcast today. Best of luck to you and your poetry endeavors. And uh, can I be a part of the Crimson Circle? One of us has to die, I'm afraid. Shit. Yeah, you can only become a member of the Crimson Circle if one of, one of us four dies. So you're welcome to come after us, but we'll probably just sacrifice you. <laughs> With that, happy Halloween, happy October from the Grim Tidings Podcast. Next, I caught up with the remaining two members of the Crimson Circle, Adam Bolivar and D.L. Myers. Adam's poetry collection, The Lay of Old Hex, was just released from Hippocampus Press, with David's collection next in line to be released from the Quartet. As with K.A. and Ashley, I had each poet do a short reading to give you a flavor of their work, followed by a short interview. This is a poem uh, I wrote in tribute to Ashley Dios's book, Diary of a Sorceress. So this poem is called A Page from Jack's Diary. 
I sing the Lady Ashiel, whose witchcraft none could quell, who in the gloom of night would dwell to conjure fiends from hell. I wandered far across the land and always heard the same. From ice of north to southern sand is feared this lady's name. And so into the waste I struck to find the sorceress. And though I knew I pushed my luck, I frankly must confess that more than e'en her demon ways, her pulchritude was told. And for a sight I trudged for days that fairness to behold. At last I came where once she dwelt, a ruin black and cold. And there before a grave I knelt, rain-worn and very old. Embracing it with prickly thorn, a crimson rose there grew. The lady's lover bowed forlorn. I wept for love so true. This, uh, this poem's called The Death of Twilight. Uh, it appeared in um, Spectral Realms. It's basically a Halloween poem. It goes something like this. Alone the ruddy leaves in twilight's grasp Sail high above the purple sky's dark coat And paint the rising moon upon the clouds A jaundiced eye that foully stares and gloats a creeping ground fog haunts the dying light, and furtive things peer from within its midst, disturbing faces drifting in the broom with leprous evil smiles that leer and twist. All Hallow's Eve has come with twilight's death, and witch light blooms in every pumpkin maw. Vile glimmers in the inky spreading night where feral demons grope with tooth and claw. Uh, Rob Matheny here uh, with the Grim Tidings Podcast again at the 22nd annual H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and CthulhuCon right here in my lovely hometown of Portland, Oregon. Uh, we're joined here by two more poets. Uh, we've had uh, two uh, previously. We had uh, K.A. Opperman and Ashley Diosis on the show, and now we have the rest of the Crimson Circle joining us on the podcast today. We have D.L. Myers and Adam Bolivar, dark poets in their own right. We're going to talk a little bit more about poetry and the cool, weird poetry scene going on in Portland, um, and the Cthulhu Con is the hub of this dark poetry madness going on. We just had the book release for Ashley Diosis' new poetry collection, and then Adam Bolivar, your collection just came out as well, The Lay of Old Hex, released from Hippocampus Press. Adam, you've had uh, multiple uh, poems published in Spectral Realms and various other publications, um, and then your collection just came out from Hippocampus, and then DL, you've had uh, various pieces published in Spectral Realms as well, and you have a piece forthcoming from The Audient Void as well. We had the uh, publishers from The Audient Void on the show as well, um, so it's great to have the rest of the Crimson Circle on the show, and I already asked Ashley if I could become an honorary member of the Crimson Circle, and she said actually one of you would have to die in order for that to happen so wheels are turning i'll see what i can do but apparently i just can't be an honorary member but um now i know um so adam uh, let's talk about a little bit about the lay of old hex it's your new collection just released from hippocampus press just tell us a little bit about that collection and how it came together yes well uh i've been writing uh poetry seriously for about the last seven years uh, although i've been I, I wrote it a long time ago and I, I hit upon the ballad as uh, a form of poetry that has been somewhat neglected. It's a way of telling stories in rhyme and meter that was popular 
you know, two, three hundred years ago or going all the way back to the Middle Ages. But people don't write ballads anymore except, you know, country western songs or whatever. That's not really the same thing. <laughs> so I started, I started trying to master the form and uh, there's, there's a sort of magic to it. It kind of taps into this collective unconscious of ancient folklore and these, these weird things bubble up and it kind of gives you access to fairy tales and nursery rhymes and stories about Jack. It strangely seems to synchronize with Lovecraftian storytelling as well. I found that I've actually turned entire Lovecraft stories into ballads, like like the rats in the walls and the thing on the doorstep. I've turned them onto ballads. So I think I think Lovecraft was kind of tapped into the same sort of British folkloric unconscious, whether he realized it or not. A lot of people um, use. Lovecraft's concepts as folklore, you know, like Cthulhu and Yogg-Sothoth and Shagos have kind of taken their place alongside, you know, brownies and pixies and hellhounds as just like more folklore. And I, I think uh, I think it's all part of the same kind of unconscious dream stuff. But anyway, I, I, I wrote a number of ballads and submitted them to S.G. Joshi, who published them in Spectral Realms, and he I, he he was quite taken with them and. Hippocampus Press offered me a collection, and so so I wrote one, and that's that's what just got published. It's a collection of uh, about 30 ballads or so, and and I connect them together with uh, short stories or vignettes. So it's like kind of goes back and forth between prose and and poetry. So it's not just poetry. Uh, it's kind of this overarching narrative of, of a of a doomed family that who descended from a man who signed a contract with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and they're never quite able to get out from under its shadow. Sounds excellent. And uh, I talked with the guys from uh, The Audient Void about the importance of, of artwork as well as in addition to the presentation of the poetry that, you know, once you open up a copy of The Audient Void, it's um, awesome gothic artwork that just hits you right in the face. So I think uh, dark poetry and dark art kind of go hand in hand. Would you agree with that? I think with the, the lay of old hex, from what I'm seeing, uh, there's a lot of really cool artwork throughout the, the volume. Yeah, well, I think, I think um, a certain kind of artwork has always gone along with weird fiction. I mean, there's the Virgil Finley illustration of Lovecraft stories, for example. The Weird Tales was very lavishly illustrated. I, think, I don't think those stories would have been the same without the illustrations. And my, my own poetry kind of harks back to 17th and 18th century poetry. And I found a lot of old woodcuts from chapbooks from that time period. Uh, around, that, around that time period, people would buy cheap penny chapbooks from Chapman wandering around London with baskets full of chapbooks. They were called broadside ballads, you know, so father would go and buy a chapbook from the Chapman and it would have a ballad inside of a story about Jack or some fairy tale and he would take it home and read the ballad to the children and that would be their evening's entertainment, you know. Oh father, what a droll ballad, you know. <laughs> read it again. <laughs> Nowadays they just watch Game of Thrones or whatever. But <laughs> But uh, that, that's the kind of aesthetic I was harking back to. So I found a lot of old ballads. And uh, Dan Sauer was able to take a lot of those old woodcuts and rehabilitate them and make them a little bit more kind of jazzy for the, the modern eye, but keep their original character. And I think it, I think it worked really well. So I, I, I kind of feel like the Lay of Old Hex is sort of a modernized version of one of those 17th century chapbooks. And, you know, maybe I can revive the entire tradition. D.L. Myers, let's talk to you a little bit about your poetry as well. You've had uh, multiple pieces appear in uh, past uh, editions of Spectral Realms, which is a dark poetry uh, collection magazine from S.T. Joshi. Tell me a little bit about your influences um, as a poet and how you got started in poetry. 
Well, um, my influences probably are largely H.P. Lovecraft, you know, uh, uh, Clark Ashton Smith, Robert E. Howard, um, Poe, of course. I know my mother exposed me to Poe when I was very young, so I, she was she really liked his poetry. So, as far as uh, my writing poetry, I started when I was pretty young uh, writing and just did it very intermittently. You know, I would write a few poems and then years would go by and I would write another poem. And then, and then uh, when I turned 50, I thought, okay, you know, you keep telling people you want to write and you want to be a writer and you haven't done anything. So it's like, maybe it's time to do something. So I finally started writing. I wrote a poem and I sent it to webzine that doesn't exist anymore called The Absent Willow Review. They accepted it and published it. And then shortly afterwards, I got this email uh, from the editor saying, there's someone who asked for your email address. Is it okay if I give it to you? And I said, sure, yeah. And it turned out that it was K.A. Offerman. And he wrote me and said, oh, I really loved your poem. And so we started corresponding. And he was very encouraging. Uh, at, at pretty much all the writing that I've done, uh, I don't think would have happened if I hadn't met him. And so, uh, you know, kind of got me going and, and, you know, sort of exposed me to, uh, you know, formal poetry using, you know, rhyme and meter. And I started incorporating that into some of what I wrote, uh, as well as, uh, you know, free verse pieces that were at least in meter. Because I had always done free verse before. I never tried to do formal poetry. So um, a lot of my influences, I think, come out of just interacting with him and then, of course, through him, I met Ashley, and then I met, you know, Adam, and so that I mean, that's how I think the uh, the the Crimson Circle kind of coalesced out of that. We just sort of all, I don't know, kindred spirits, I guess, in some way. Even though I sometimes feel like I'm the odd man out because I do I do write formal stuff, but I always find myself kind of drifting back out to this kind of more free verse kinds of stuff and. And I, I tend to go through like phases. Like there was a point at which it was like, I'll never write another free verse poem. I'm only, I can only do it if it's in rhyme and meter. And then that changed again. And so the most recent thing I wrote was a prose poem and I've never written one before, but that's what's gonna be in the audience void. Yeah, so really for me, my writing has, you know, kind of coalesced around the Crimson Circle in some ways, I really think, because I don't think, I wouldn't be doing any of this uh, without their encouragement and support and especially uh kyle opperman because that i mean he's been extremely supportive of me and you know basically at one point when i sort of felt like i was i just wanted to quit because i i just couldn't do it i mean it's like this i'm not gonna be able to do this i you know maybe it's not real what i i thought i wanted to be a writer but i don't know if i really can and he basically just you know wouldn't let me quit <laughs> so here i am i'm still yeah doing stuff and uh at this point, I, I'm, I'm trying to produce more poetry because I have been offered for a while now to have a collection uh, from Hippocampus Press because I, through Kyle, sort of got connected to S.T. Joshi and met him. And since he lives in Seattle and I, I live up in LeConnor, which is north of Seattle, um, so I've got to know him and got to know Derek. And so I've 
basically it's just a matter of I got to produce the work, and if I produce the work, then I, you know, I'll have a collection, you know, at some point. But. So, like Adam, you had the uh, opportunity to create a collection for Hippocampus, and you put one together in the Lay of Altex. So you now DL, you've got the opportunity as well to get a collection together as well. So, ball is in your collective court. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 all on me, but um, actually. Uh, I'm just sort of starting to get back into writing because the last year has been like this dead space where I, I've just been in a bad place and I haven't been writing. I haven't written anything until just recently, until I read that, wrote that most recent prose poem. I hadn't written anything for almost a bloody year. So it's like, yeah, it's, so I, I'm sort of re-energized here at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival because, you know, we're, I'm with the people that, you know, inspire me and, and support me and... Yeah, so, so I'm, the future the future looks bright, as they say. That's where I'm. Uh, well, grim and bright. Grim and bright, yes. <laughs> Stuff is beautiful. Dark. Darkly beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's got to be dark. Don't know why. Just that's the thing I'm into. That's the only thing I. Respond. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We don't. We what can't explain what, it, what a surprise at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. We're all into darkness. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's all Lovecraft's fault. You know, it's really. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adam, I was going to ask you, too, what does it mean to you to be able to attend a con? I, I, when I talked to Ashley and, and uh, K.A. about attending this con, they said this was like pretty much the premier con for them. They look forward to this every single year. For you, Adam, what does it mean to you to attend a con like this and rub elbows with your contemporaries? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit surreal, really, because uh, I first moved to Portland in 2003, and uh, I moved here in early October, and basically what, the very first thing I did when I moved to Portland was to go to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Because I was always, I've always been a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft, and you know, coming to Portland, the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival was a bonus to me. It's like, oh, there's a, there's, there's a film festival that's dedicated to H.P. Lovecraft. You know, how cool is that? You know, what an amazing city you live in. And I just went here, and I enjoyed the movies. I was just a regular con goer. I went to the movies, and they didn't really have much else at that time besides movies. They had like a dealer's room, and uh, I went there for many years, and. It's kind of weird now to be a guest uh, because I, I started becoming known as a poet and was published in Spectral Realms and then I got a collection with Hippocampus and uh, I became important enough to be invited as a guest to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a special convention for me. And I also met Dave here for the first time. And, you know, I, I will keep going whether or not I'm a guest as long as there are H.P. Lovecraft Film Festivals. I think it's a pretty special, magical event that happens and I hope it keeps going you know for years and years <laughs> it's been a great experience uh, because of these guys getting involved in it uh, last I think and it's it, it's ST Joshi is the reason that I've gone to this because the first time I met him he, he said oh yeah you're gonna come to the HP Lovecraft Film Festival and I was like uh, well, I don't know. I've never gone. I've, yeah, I've, I've lived here. You know, I lived in Seattle area for a million years. You know, since 1988, and never went to it till I guess, I guess it was three or four years ago. Basically, because St invited me to come, started coming, and then went to a couple. I guess it was like they did uh, when they separated. You know, when they had CthulhuCon separate from the festival. I went to that CthulhuCon first. That's where I met Adam actually, and then you know came back, went to that festival, and then. Last year, decided, okay, I'm going to apply. You know, I want to try to to be a guest. I'd like to be a guest. And I've done a video series on uh, on YouTube uh, doing uh, video poetry readings. And so 
that was sort of my in. I was like, oh, you know, okay, when my application, I said, oh yeah, I did this, and here, here, you know, look at this stuff and see if you like it. And I said, you know, I'm I'm good at reading poetry out out loud, so so I got selected last year and did it, and uh, it it went well. So then, of course, we're all applying again. So. I applied this year again and uh, and got picked again, um, and so yeah, it's it's but it's been a great it's been a great experience for me. It's been really uh, you know inspiring and just to be because it's it, it's an opportunity to be a part of a community that I always wanted to be a part of, uh, it, you know, because I was always really into Lovecraft and um, and so it was like here yeah here's this kind of fantasy you've had your whole life of, you know, having some connection to this, you know, uh, gr group of people that were into the same thing that you are. And so here it is. Now it's real. You know, I'm here. And um, and this, this, especially this year, has been amazing because, uh, you know, got to read three times, which was really, really amazing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's been really a good thing for me. I mean, you know. Good shit. Yeah. Definitely, without any question. Yeah, like really good shit. Yeah. So. <laughs> darkly beautiful. Yes. It's been darkly beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, the con is going to be concluding tomorrow, Sunday. Um, what are your plans for the last day of the con, um, Adam? Well, I'll be back, of course. Um, I, I think my, my main plan is to, uh, I, I'm trying to decide what kind of clothing I'm going to wear. <laughs> I, I have sort of a penchant for antiquated clothing. Uh, I wear like stiff collars and, and spats and um, pocket watch chains, that sort of thing. But uh, You have a great style, my friend. I've, I've somewhat relaxed it. I, I, I'm wearing an open collared shirt uh, in an attempt to appear more Byronic. <laughs> Or, or moronic, as Kyle Opperman put it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I kind of feel like people are expecting the classic Adam Bolivar. So I think tomorrow maybe I, I will favor everyone with a, a stiff, detachable collar like, like in days of old and maybe have one last hurrah. <laughs> but other than that, it's going to be pretty mellow. We, we did our reading. We had our... We had our book launch and uh, we had an author signing this morning and we had another reading yesterday but we have nothing actually scheduled for tomorrow so we're just going to show up and just kick back and have a good time maybe watch a movie or something yeah yeah, yeah. basically we're you know uh Kay and ashley and adam and i are all hanging out together we're, you know we're all staying at adam's house and so it's like this really it's sort of this you know it's this opportunity for all all four of us to be together and so tomorrow i mean we're just gonna probably come and hang out and do whatever you know seems like fun to do at that particular moment you know so i don't i don't have any particular plans you know uh other than uh just hang out with these guys really should be fun dark grim poetic uh we did not talk about the um sigils the what's the the name i should give the that you're wearing around your both of your necks both ashley and and ka and you adam and you deal have this necklace with what would i call that it's a it's a medallion sign it's a crimson sign okay who who put that together it's 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 adam's design well i i i made this symbol a long time ago um it's it's the symbol of a figure i called the black shepherd who's sort of the the shepherd of the black sheep like most most sheep follow the white shepherd, and the black shepherd is the ones that lead the sheep astray into the heath. Most sheep who follow the call of the black shepherd die on the heath because they're preyed upon by the lone wolf and they're 
you know, the worms will feast upon their eyes. <laughs> you know, the crows peck out their gizzard or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but the very few, the favored black sheep, who, the ones possessed of keenest wit, are able to follow the black shepherd and they, they experience very great rewards indeed. And I, I think, I kind of feel like the, the, we of the Crimson Circle follow the black shepherd and are, are able to join the black flock. Super cool. We're going to throw uh, an image in the show notes of the, that cool medallion that you guys are wearing. Make sure we take a picture of that before we go. Contact information. Uh, where can folks find you online, Adam? I have a website, actually. It's just adambolivar.com, A-D-A-M-B-O-L-I-V-A-R.com. Um, it's got my contact info there. I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, my Facebook page is Adam Bolivar. My Twitter is Adam Bolivar. I'm Adam Bolivar at gmail.com. So I, 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 I'm not like Elf Lord 22 or anything. I'm just, just Adam Bolivar. So. It's a brand consistency. If you just Google Adam Bolivar, you'll find everything you need to know about me, I think. The lay of old hex available now from Hippocampus Press. If people want to pick up a copy or 10, they can get that now and read that for their October Halloween reading. And then uh, D.L. Myers, where can folks find you online? Uh, well, I, I have a blog uh, that, that's at, uh, at volraven.blogspot.com, uh, so, and it's V-U-L-R-A-V-I-N. Um, and then also uh, I have a YouTube channel where I've got like 60 of my readings up. Um, you can also see there's links to some of them through the blog, so you can find them that way. I have a D.L. Myers page on Facebook, so there's links to the things there as well. Excellent. And then they can pick up uh, past issues of Spectral Realms as well, pick up uh, the forthcoming issue of The Audient Void as well, which will be featured in, and then you're going to write your damn uh, poetry collection for Hippocampus Press, and that'll be out super, super soon, right, DL? Oh, yes, yes. In, right. in record time, I'm sure. <laughs> record time. Any events coming up, con appearances uh, in the f- maybe next couple of months? Adam, for you? Yeah, I just wanted to like, do a shout-out to an event I'm doing with uh, the author John Shirley at the Lovecraft Bar. It's an event called Lovecraft at the Lovecraft. It's at, on November 18th on Saturday at 8 p.m. Um, I'm going to be doing a marionette show. Uh, that is an entire other subject uh, I could have discoursed about. Uh, in addition to being a poet and a writer, I'm also a puppeteer, and I've been in marionette troops. Uh, we did shows, uh, performed on stages of strange, macabre marionetting. I've been doing it for over 20 years, starting with a show called The House That Jack Built. And there's a character in that named Solomon Scratch, who's made all out of rabbit bones. He's the devil, and he brings a scarecrow to life named Jack Straw, uh, who betrays him ultimately. and and. Solomon Scratch has to burn him. But uh, I'm bringing him back in a, in a marionette show called The History of Jack-O-Lantern, which we're going to perform at the Lovecraft Bar on November 18th. It's a four-act play written all in meter and rhyme about the story of Jack-O-Lantern, who, if you're not familiar, essentially did a deal with the devil, but then outwitted him. But because he was so wicked, they wouldn't let him into heaven. And then when he went to hell, the devil wouldn't let him into hell. But he did give him a spark of eternally burning hellfire, which he put into a lantern, and he wanders the outer darkness for all eternity. And you can see that in marionette form, if that sounds interesting to you. It <laughs> sounds really fucking interesting, uh, as far as I can November 18th at the Lovecraft Bar at 8 p.m. And also, John Shirley will be performing with his band, The Screaming Geezers, and there'll be poetry readings and uh, book signings, and it'll just be an all-around 
entertaining evening. I will be there too. November 18th in Portland, the Lovecraft Bar, 8 p.m., Adam Boulevard, John Shirley, poetry, marionettes, lots of good stuff going on. Good shit. And then, uh, DL, any other con appearances or anything coming up for you? Uh, not really. Nothing in the foreseeable future. But you know. Next year's HP Lovecraft and Cthulhu Con, then? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely hope to be here again. Yeah. So. Lord willing, the creek don't rise. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Haven't been assuming that North Korea hasn't obliterated Portland and turned us into a pile of nucle- of radioactive rubble. <laughs> Fingers crossed on that one. In which case, balladry may become a popular form of entertainment because <laughs> there will be nothing else to do. So. We're blown back to the fucking dark ages. Right. Puppet shows and ballads. That's what I'm counting on. Actually, yeah. not not really a bad thing when I think about it. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Adam Boulevard, D.L. Myers, thank you so much for joining us here on the Grim Tidings Podcast. Best of luck to both of you in your poetry, and enjoy the rest of the con, and thank you for hanging out. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Rob. It's great to talk to you. And- yeah, thank you. It's been, it's, been an, it's been a privilege and a pleasure. <laughs> You're a gentleman and a scholar, Rob. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. I I won't. Actually, actually, this guy is (laughs) this guy is a serious douche. (laughs) Oh, that's staying in the show right there too. That's great. That's good shit. Thus begins the tale of the dark poetry quartet, simply known as the Crimson Circle, a group forged in a mutual love of dark poetry. The friendship these creatives share was palpable. As the book release party came to a close, we took a group photo and said our goodbyes until next year's convention, where they'll converge again. The Crimson Circle is really a story of friendship, where like-minded creatives found a common bond in a literary form, and it's that very friendship that's birthed a dark literary movement. Maybe you're lacking the focus and energy you need to get your creative juices flowing. Maybe you need to start your own Crimson Circle, and hopefully you too can find the inspiration and drive to pursue your craft with a renewed energy. Thanks again to each member of the Crimson Circle, Adam Boulevard, D.L. Myers, K.A. Opperman, and Ashley Diosis. Thanks again to Obadiah Baird and Dan Sauer from The Audient Void, and thanks to Derek Hussey from Hippocampus Press for hosting the event. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Grim Tidings Podcast. You can find us online at thegrimtidingspodcast.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at Grim Dark Fiction. Never miss a new episode by subscribing on iTunes, and if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review. And now you can support the show on Patreon. For only three bucks a month, you can submit author questions, get behind the scenes, and be a part of the show like never before. Just log on to patreon.com slash thegrimtidingspodcast. On behalf of co-host Philip Overby and myself, Rob Matheny, happy Halloween. Thanks for listening. <laughs>